Coming up, we'll talk about the complete game shutout by Walker Buehler at Chase Field before part two with Sully Baseball talking about the Cincinnati Reds fall off and should an MLB team, specifically the Oakland A's, move to Vegas? Is it a good idea? We're breaking it all down for you and much more next. You are locked on Diamondbacks. Your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Dimebacks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer. So please go check out my website, MillerThomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account, which is a look up Locked On Dimebacks on both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. And of course, Thank you for making Lockdown Diamondbacks your first listen every day. I would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners. Sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms, so please continue to tell your friends. We got part two with Sully Baseball. We're going to talk about the Cincinnati Reds fall off, then blowing up their team. Should the team move to Vegas and a little Thai friends talk as well. But we first have to start off with the D-backs loss to the LA Dodgers for nothing. They dropped the first game of the series. Walker Bueller completely just dominates the D-backs lineup over nine innings, one of the longest starts on the season that we've seen from a pitcher because we know it's still quote-unquote spring training. So a lot of these starters still aren't going too deep, but Walker Bueller decided, hey, why not a complete game shutout against an NL West rival? And that's what he did against the Arizona Diamondbacks because this game was just a microcosm for one particular player who is the key to unlocking this offense because the offense was non-existent tonight. That is Ketel Marte, the superstar, the face of the franchise for the D-backs. And second on that list is Carson Kelly. And these two players, if they're not going to pick it up, the D-backs offense is never going to be consistent. And most nights is going to be very unproductive because these are probably, arguably, the two best offensive players the D-backs have. Maybe not Carson Kelly, but Ketel Marte is definitely the D-backs best offense player. But he has not shown that this season. Marte tonight. 0 for 4 with a strikeout, and I keep saying tonight because I'm recording this at 9.45 p.m. after the game ended. On this season, Marte's slash line is now 156, 225, 234. Not good at all, especially since it's Keto Marte, who's usually a 300 guy, a 350 OBP, and a 5-something slugging. The dude is usually around a 900 OPS. The dude can absolutely slug the crap out of the baseball, but he has not done that this season. On that strikeout he had tonight, it was one of those half swings by Ketel Marte, which we've seen a lot this season. He's looked very uncomfortable at the plate, seems to be overthinking a lot, and just playing not Ketel Marte brand of baseball, and it's really confusing. It just looks like he's thinking too much, and I wonder if his inner dialogue just kind of drowned out Paven Smith yelling, I got it, I got it on that collision, because it was very weird to see those two collide into each other. You don't see that happen a lot in baseball, especially with the right fielder calling it the way it was because it was just a routine pop-out. So I was surprised to see Ketel Marte um, really locked in on going for that ball. And thankfully, it was able to stay in the game because there was a 
uh, a little bit of worry that he might have to be pulled out after that collision because it looked like he might have gotten hurt. Pavin Smith absolutely leveled out Ketel Marte there, but thankfully Ketel Marte was okay. Marte currently ranks in baseball 11th percentile in barrel percentage. That's very bad. 12th percentile in expected slugging percentage and 28th in expected batting average. He looks unrecognizable at the plate right now and it's seeping into his defense. He looks like he just got the yips both at the plate and on the diamond. And I don't know why this is happening to Marte like we've talked about. Is it the pressure from the contract? I'm just not sure what it is. And this offense by the D-backs just isn't going anywhere till we get Ketel Marte back. The guy that we've seen in 2019 when he finished fourth in MVP voting. The guy we saw last year in the 90 games when he was healthy, he was absolutely dominant. And he's not the only one in this lineup because like I said, his partner in crime, Carson Kelly, has arguably been worse this season. But I hold Ketel, I hold Ketel Marte to a higher standard because guess what? He's a superstar player and that's what you do with superstars. You expect greatness from them. Carson Kelly, he's still a work in progress, but I expect a lot more from Carson Kelly than what we've seen this season. His slash line after tonight, 103, 146, 128. Just disgusting. On the season by Carson Kelly and Ketel Marte, they have combined for 43 strikeouts to just five walks on the season. I'm going to let you digest that for a second. 43 strikeouts to just five walks. It's disgusting those two start the, the two starts those two are having. They've I, I would say over the last four years, I would make the argument those are probably our two best offensive players. But just the last two years, you could probably throw Dalton Varsho into that mix, but and also probably Seth Beer at this point now too. But over the last four years, you could say the one-two punch in our lineup has been Ketel Marte and arguably Carson Kelly. And the offense desperately needs those two to wake up if they want to have any kind of consistent punch coming from the batting order. But Merrill Kelly, he also pitched today. He probably had his shakiest start of the season, but even the shakiest Merrill Kelly, still a quality start over six innings pitch, only three earned runs, and he did that against the most loaded lineup maybe of all time. You'll definitely take that from Merrill Kelly. He settled in after the first inning after giving up two runs. He did get into a little trouble in the fifth. I thought he was going to get out of it before that Muncie rocket double, but he was not able to. But still, three earned runs over six innings isn't mad. I'm not going to be mad with a performance like that. He did his job, and he kept us in the game, but the offense didn't do anything. Tyler Gilbert, he was all right out the pen. Fastball and cutter gave up some very hard exit velocity stats. Uh, He walked a guy, gave up two hits, including a bomb over three innings, struck out three as well. I still want to see him make some starts in the near future. I think he has, you know, potential to be a number five starter, maybe for this D-backs team. I mean, you know, the the most of the guys that we throw out in this rotation aren't good. This season, they've actually been very quality. You could thank Brent Strom for that. So I wonder what Brent Strom can do for a guy who had a no-hitter in his starting debut. It makes you wonder, could he turn Tyler Gilbert into a pretty consistent and pretty effective number four starter maybe Tyler Gilbert stuff isn't electric but he's been effective throughout his entire career over seven career starts three to one ERA so I definitely want to see more Tyler Gilbert as the number five starter maybe mixing some uh, Corbin Martin as well just because we haven't seen enough from Corbin Martin as a starter whenever he's come in as a reliever he usually pitches a couple innings and gets like four or five strikeouts so I would like to see those two in a rotation as maybe the number five starter you can get crazy and throw Tyler Widener in there as well. We did get to see a pretty decent sample size from Widener last year as the number five starter. I didn't think he was bad. I thought he was worse coming out the bullpen. Maybe his career is as a 
long reliever because I don't know if he could be a one-inning guy. He's got the stuff. I think he could throw, you know, mid to high 90s, but he's, so far he's looked better as a starter. So maybe go with three-man rotation as that number five starter. That would be pretty crazy. But definitely the first guy I want to see get opportunities is probably Tyler Gilbert. It's actually probably pretty close to Corbin Martin, but I think those are definitely my top two to be my number five starter in this D-backs rotation now that Caleb Smith is optioned. And guess what? We'll talk about Alva Perez being DFA'd off this roster tomorrow. But if you want to place a bet on whether Ketel Marte can get back to his MVP form, the place you got to go is BetOnline because BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. Find all of the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs and the start of the Major League Baseball season. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and actions. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right. Well, welcome to Pardon the Interruption with Miller Thomas and Sully. Um, yeah, I mean, look at I'm not gonna stay on that for too much longer. I just I just got really frustrated That's by right. that. Um, you know, you see the the central, I mean, the twins and the guardians are ahead of the White Sox, even though both of them are not playing well at all. Uh, it may behoove them to just bring up <laughs> love that word, right, behoove. Bring up Bring up all your best prospects now. Who knows? You could yeah. steal a division title out of this. And for the White Sox, part of it's also, Jay, they've dealt with a lot of injuries. Like, their outfield is really talented, but Luis Robert and Eloy Jimenez can never stay on the field. I think Eloy's out like six, eight weeks now, and they still haven't seen Lucas Giolito debut either this season. So when you don't have Rondon now, and now Giolito's not there, like, that rotation is a little thin right now as well. So I think a lot of injuries has played into why the White Sox haven't been as good as we want them to be or as good as we think they're going to be by the end of the season. All right, let's um, let's talk about bags on our heads. Okay. Um, on September thirteenth, twenty twenty one, a long time ago, uh, the Cincinnati Reds were tied for a wild card spot. Think about that. Mid September, they were one. They were tied with St. Louis for one of the wild card positions. And if you think with only a couple of weeks left, just play good baseball. Now. To their great misfortune, the St. Louis Cardinals went on a wild winning streak and wound up clinching the second wildcard spot, leaving the Reds in the dust. But the Reds still had a winning record. They still were contenders deep into the season, and there may have been some thoughts and some hopes. The Cincinnati Reds have won two games so far. Yeah. It's early, but it's not that early to say, wow. That's not good. Okay, they're up to three wins. They won today. So congratulations. Mm -hmm. They have more wins than I have eyeballs. But the uh, the Reds have been now. They've got off to a Votto's got off to a terrible start. Mustakas is injured. Um, in, uh, Jonathan India is injured. Uh, their rotation obviously has been terrible. Their bullpen's been worse, and um, the they. There was a group of fans who had bags over their heads Ooh. during one of the games, and one of the uh, the Reds' TV crew came over to interview them, and they're basically saying, "We want new, we want a new owner, we, we want ownership to turn this around." And of course, 
while that interview was happening, someone, an official from the Cincinnati Reds, came down, interrupted the interview, and ordered that their bags be removed from their heads. <laughs> right. Now, I understand they didn't want the optics, but the optics of harassing some of the people who actually did pay money to go see the game uh, strikes me as uh, maybe not the smartest idea. That <laughs> They have a bag on their head, but they're also buying a hot dog and we're a foam, we're number one finger or whatever they're going to buy at the concession stand. Maybe you don't want to tick off the paying customers who actually showed up there. But the Reds are a mess. Today's uh, loss, uh, today's victory notwithstanding. And you know, they're, they're about to start a series with the San Diego Padres. Um, things could get out of control really fast here in Cincy. Yeah, is anyone surprised? I mean, they pro- they're probably upset. That front office is probably upset that they won today. Like, they came into the season with aspirations of tanking and trying to get the number one pick because when you look at what they did this offseason, they completely blew up their roster. I mean, they just let Wade Miley go. They traded the Suarez's and the Winkers, and they're going to trade probably Luis Castillo, and they traded the Sunny Grays. Like, they basically blew up their roster. They're doing – they're basically the NL version of the Oakland A's because we know some of their fans are also protesting because they don't want their uh, arena to move uh, to Houston or wherever, you know, the reported places are going. So I think if I'm a Cincinnati Reds fan, like I'm probably wearing bags every game. Like, yeah, I still want to watch baseball games. I still want to enjoy myself at a stadium, but I don't need I don't need to be on TV and on cameras and let people know my identity. Just let me go as a couple of John Doe's with my homie and we'll go watch a baseball game with a bag over our head because that might be the way to move right now with how they're paying that with the, with the way they're building their team, the way they're treating their fans. Yeah, I don't want my dandy to be known that I pay for things at a Cincinnati Reds game. Uh, there's a couple of things that are different from the Oakland situation. And the Oakland situation is pretty bad, too. I will say that the deals that Oakland made involving Manaya, involving Bassett, involving Chapman, um, they made a bunch of trades, obviously, in the offseason. They got a lot back from them. Matt Olson, yeah. they got back, you know, they got back tons of talent for the players. So I didn't necessarily think of the moves they made as pure tanking moves. I actually think they those are some of the deals they made were pretty smart rebuild moves. Um, some of the trades that the Reds made were just like, you're just dumping salary at this point. They're just getting rid of players. Now, there is another kind of insidious thing going on in Oakland in that, they're trying to do everything in their power to trash the city of Oakland. And I think to open up an Avenue to have them move um, or to spend money that the city of Oakland doesn't have to build the ballpark uh, by the, uh, uh, by the, uh, the docks. Mm. Um, They've been talking about, this is what the fourth straight decade I've heard discussions about building a new ballpark for the A's, uh, whether it's San Jose, Oakland, uh, Fremont, all these places. There's so many artist renderings. You can do an art gallery of all the artist renderings for the different stadiums for Oakland that over the years. And, oh, this is it. This is it. They're going to break ground. They're going to break ground. Still no shovels have touched the ground. Uh, I can't scream this enough. Las Vegas is going to be a disaster if you put a team uh. there absolute disaster there no. are there are three places you can put a major league team you can put one in montreal maybe you can definitely put one in portland and you can definitely 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 put one in nashville 
I think a Nashville baseball team would be a huge success. Las Vegas, they're going to find out the same problems. that, And again, I've said this before, they find the same problems they had in Miami and in some of the other places they've expanded to, that there are so many transplanted people there. They're not going to embrace a, a baseball team 82 games a year. It's just not going to happen. And Las Vegas is a disaster waiting to happen. You have to go to a place where there is a fan base that identifies with their city as opposed to wanting, you know, it's like everyone in Miami is still wearing their Yankee, Met, Phillies, or Red Sox caps because they all moved down there from the Northeast. You know, I, I think Las Vegas is going to be a catastrophe, but the A's are going to definitely, I don't think they're going to build a stadium in Oakland. I don't. If they haven't built one now, you know, they're not going to build one, you know, anytime soon. I think they're going to move to Vegas. I think they're going to regret it. But what's happening in – well, you, you disagree with me on Vegas? This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of makes models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30%, 50%, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Just go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com. And thank you for making Locked On Diamondbacks your first listen every day. For your next listen, check out that Locked On Now podcast. Recaps of MLB games with analysis from our local experts. Taking fans through the season like no other network. Free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, I wouldn't mind moving to Vegas. I think it would just be a good time. I don't see why they still can't fill up the stadiums like how the Raiders and the Golden Knights fill up stadiums because even though it's going to be a lot of out-of-state people, it's not going to be a lot of homegrown Vegas people going to these games. It's going to be a lot of out-of-state fans. It can still be a great crowd and still be a filled-up stadium. It just not be, if you're you know the home team, it, just not be, it, might not allow, it might not be a lot of home crowd fans at the arena. So that might be the only issue with it, but I think you can still sell t- tickets and merchandise and still make a whole lot of money if you're the you know Oakland A now the whatever the Vegas team owner is but my biggest question is if the Oakland A's are moving you know arenas or moving cities whatever is their philosophy changing as well because I don't care where this team moves are they gonna finally start spending money because if it's the same Oakland A's philosophy wherever they go where just the money ball strategy and they don't want to spend money on the field I really don't care if they move to Vegas and they get more money that need to see more money spent on the on-field product the Philadelphia A's of the 1900s, 10s, and 20s were notorious for putting the other World Series winner and then selling off their players the minute they asked for money. The Kansas City A's were notorious for the minute their players got any good, they trade them immediately to the Yankees. The A's under Charlie Finley won three World Series and dismantled them instantly. The Moneyball A's, never spent more than $5.75 on the team. The only era where the A's were big spenders were during the Conseco, McGuire, Tony La Russa days, where they would spend money to keep Conseco and Ricky Henderson and Dennis Eckersley and Dave Stewart together, and they kept the core of that team together for a bunch of years. It's the only time the A's 
spent money. That's also the time they drew the most fans was during that era. I used to go to A's games during that time when I was living in the Bay Area. Oakland was packed and rocking. It was fun to go to an A's game then. Steroids, baby. Hey, just hey. show me where show me where that was bad. Yeah, that's what I'm but, saying. Bring um, them back. I, Bring them back. I, let's go. Let's go. Look the other way. Come on. Um, I think that's the A's legacy is being, you know, cheap. cheap. Uh, but but cheap, but putting together a good product more likely than not. You know, it's like they're smart. Yeah, they're smart yeah, with their cheapness. They're smart, teams, but then yeah. they can't keep it together. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be sad when the A's leave just because A's fans are amazing. You go to those games, it's like there's like, you know, the other day they were saying there's like three or four thousand fans are there. I guarantee you. Those three or four thousand fans are three or four thousand of the most passionate fans you'll ever meet. I've gone to a ton of those games where there's tiny crowds and everyone there loves the A's. They've got the signs, they've beaten the drums, they love them. Um, I think it was a mistake to move the A's there from Kansas City. I'll say mm. it. Okay. Either they should have stayed in Kansas City, or Finley was trying to move them to anywhere in creation he tried moving to atlanta he tried moving to louisville he tried moving to seattle tried moving to san diego tried moving to dallas and finally worked out a deal with oakland if they are the san diego a's or the dallas a's or the seattle a's i think they would have flourished but they didn't he picked oakland because he thought he could make more money in the bay area and i lived in the bay area for a long time they can't support two teams there they mm -hmm. really can't and there was always talk about who was going to move first, the Giants or the A's. And the Giants were on their way out. They printed their both to Toronto after the 76 season and to Tampa Bay after the 92 season. And they got the big ballpark before the A's did. Sticking a stake in the ground, and that's now Giants territory. And so I think part of me hoped they would move to a place like Sacramento, would be a new market, but they would still be able to keep some of the fans. But I know it's a pipe dream. I love the city of Portland. I support the Portland Diamond Project. Oh, no, that's my Mariners hat. Uh, I have my Portland Diamond Project hat somewhere. somewhere. I would love to see a team in Portland. I am I just get the sense, kind of like how I'm, I screamed against the Tide against the, the Universal DH. I'm screaming against the Tide about a Vegas move. I think I'll be right. I hope I'm not. But... Uh, but what's happening in Cincinnati, Cincinnati should be like the Red Sox, the deep tradition. But not only that, they should be a team, you know, like how Boston has all of New England to, to, to sap from. It's mm -hmm. not just the city of Boston. They have, you know, Hartford, Providence, Worcester. They have all of New Hampshire, all of Vermont, all of Maine. That's all Red Sox territory. You know, Boston is not a gigantic city. But there's a huge population of New England that makes that so great. The Reds should be the team of Columbus, Louisville, Indianapolis, you know, Frank, you know, all, all throughout Kentucky. It should be a regional team like that. They have the beautiful ballpark. They have the tradition behind it. Deeply rooted tradition, heading going back to the 19th century with memories of the big red machine and then Barry Larkin and, and Frank Robinson and all of them. And they've had talent on this team 
as they've made the playoffs a, a bunch of times since 2010. They just have mishandled everything to the point where you went from contending in mid-September to being this? And I think David Bell is going to be the fall guy. I don't think he deserves to be the fall guy. It's not his fault that they the team stinks, but they're going to have to throw somebody to the wolves. And I think it's going to, and it's always the manager. Because, oh, we're trying something. We're trying something. Yeah. You know? Then also the players just aren't playing well at all. I mean, you look up and down their lineup. I think everyone has like below 700 OPS. You look at their rotation. Everyone's like above seven ERA. Like no one is playing well for the Cincinnati Reds. Even the guys who are considered good, like Joey Votto or Tyler Motley, their best players aren't playing like their best players. So it doesn't matter who's going out there. As long as they're in a Cincinnati Reds uniform, they're pretty much playing like a mediocre baseball player right now. So if you're a Cincinnati Reds fan, like, I don't know how you feel. If you're doing, if you're Jeff Carr doing the Lockdown Reds podcast every day, I don't know how you you get up and do that podcast every day because it's got to be tough, man. I mean, I'm covering the D-backs. They're not great, but they're no Cincinnati Reds. At least the D-backs give me a little crevice of hope and motivation every day that maybe we could make a run if we get hot and maybe make a wild card spot. If you're a Cincinnati Reds fan, like you're basically hope you win 50 games this year and you get the number one pick in the draft. And hopefully you look at the Houston Astros model of a few years ago, or you look at like the Oakland A's or Tampa Bay Rays where they're able to tank or they're able to rebuild their teams pretty quickly through the draft, through their farm system and hopefully you could do that there if you're the Cincinnati Reds but you gotta have a good developmental system in place because if you can't develop your own talent then it doesn't matter because the Cincinnati Reds are not a team going out there and spending money in free agency they're not going out there and making big big trades so if their farm system isn't good then they're going to be a team like the Texas Rangers or the Detroit Tigers who have been trying to rebuild the last few years and they realize it's not as easy as it looks and they have to go out there and spend money this offseason and they're probably going to spend more money the next couple of offseasons as well. So since the Natty Reds have to decide, do they want to be like the Oakland A's or the Houston Astros who rebuild through the draft or do they want to try to rebuild through the draft for a few years, suck and then say, oh, you know what? We actually just have to go spend money in agency because we're not good at this whole draft thing. Well, they're not betting on themselves. They're not oh. betting on themselves with their, their organization. They're just not betting on themselves. If you're going to make any bets, go to Bet Online, your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. Find all the latest sports development, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs to start the Major League Baseball season two. Everything you can get there at Bet Online. It's your continued source for all your sporting wagering information, live betting, playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet Online is where the game starts. All right, hey, um, Miller Thomas, we're going to wrap up this show in just a minute or so. Uh, let's give ourselves a round of applause to just the guy who has been unbelievable this whole week, and that is Ty France of <laughs> the Seattle Mariners. I mean, today he reached base four times, uh, including his fifth home run of the season. And his OPS so far is 1.115. It's been over 1.4 for the last week. The Mariners are now first place by themselves. They swept the Kansas City Royals. They're a 10 and 6 record. If the Mariners want to win this division, which I, I personally picked them to, they're going to need people to step up. And France has been, let's just say, he's been unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. 
Yeah, I'm not a huge fan that he's been so great because I'm playing him in fantasy this weekend. He's kind of the reason I'm losing right now. But yeah, Ty France has been huge. This is a guy that's kind of having his breakout season right now. He's been a good player in the past, but he's never been this good having a huge breakout season right now for the Mariners. Jesse Winker so far is... Been, he's been pretty cold for the Mariners, but look at someone like Suarez. He's off to a hot start for them. Adam uh, Frazier, he's been up and down. So you look at this Mariners team, and they're going to be right in the thick of things, I think, in the AL West. I think the Houston Astros are going to wake up here as we move on toward the rest of the season. I think the Angels are probably going to regress to the mean a little bit and come back to the pack because, like we talked about earlier, I just do not believe them as a real contender in the AL West. I think it's going to come down to probably the Houston Astros or the Seattle Mariners. And whoever you choose between those two, I'm not going to argue with you but I want to go a different way in this segment because you brought up Ty France and the week he's having well you already mentioned him earlier but I'm going to bring up Miguel Cabrera because he used to be one of my favorite players growing up of course I grew up a Red Sox fan but Miguel Cabrera was one of my favorite non-Red Sox I started my Mike Trout trolling a long time ago and it was usually centered around Mike Trout versus Miguel Cabrera who's better right now who's the best of baseball and I always rode with Miguel Cabrera because he was a triple crown threat every year I felt like we just kind of underrated him really when it came to Mike Trout because we were so focused on war. So Miguel Cabrera, you were the best player in baseball for like a 10 year period. I don't listen to anyone who says it was Mike Trout. So I'm riding with you, buddy. I just want to put and, that out there. That's my and guy. He's getting the, his well-deserved praise mm-hmm. and well-deserved celebration. So, well, look at man, we got a big week of baseball coming up. My dog is barking right now. So I better take care of her. But, uh, there's been another great crossover, another great crossover. And we, you and I got to fight a little bit. And I love that. We take the gloves off a little bit here. Tell the folks where they can follow you. Yeah, whenever it's a Mike Trout argument, I always get really spicy. I need to get on another soapbox for another topic or narrative so it's not always centered around the same thing. But if you want to follow me on Twitter, I want to follow my hot takes about Mike Trout at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account, which is look up Locked on Dimebacks on both Twitter and in, for, on Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. And you can follow... Our show at Lockdown MLB Pod, same handle for Instagram. I'm your pal Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Stir in the pot with Miller Thomas of Locked On Diamondbacks. This has been the Lockdown MLB crossover. Let's let's fist pump there. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Boom. Please, please check the war and call me Sully. That's it for this edition of the Lockdown Dimebacks podcast. Come back tomorrow for more Dimebacks news coverage and insight. Thank you for making Lockdown D-backs your first listen every day. Go make your second list of the day. Lockdown MLB with my pal Sully. And on tomorrow's pod, I think we're going to be doing some trustworthy rankings. Who are the most trustworthy Dimebacks? Who are the least trustworthy Dimebacks right now up until this point of the season? So we'll talk about that probably on tomorrow's pod, and we'll see what else we have in store. As always, stay safe and stay healthy. Deuces!